Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, uh. brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What's going on, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. Proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, your host for the evening, Mr. Matthew Burning, at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of The Consistency Show, The Consistency Guide, which has just recently been released and is a great tool for all fantasy users, and of course the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo. You can find all of us and many, many more on FullTimeFantasy.com. We are also proud to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. They have some of the best college football and NFL stats in the business. College football stats are very hard to find. If you follow me on Twitter, all the college profile stuff that you see me posting and stats that I post come from ExpandTheBoxScore.com. It is a great website. Check them out. Uh, We're actually about to bring a guest on that is also partnered with ExpandTheBoxScore.com, which I cannot wait for. I got Chris Stoops coming on. He is part of the Debbie Delight podcast. He is an absolute great member of this community, and he kills it in the Debbie side of things, and I'm excited to bring him on here. We're going to talk all about Debbie prospects. We're going to be going through three conferences giving you guys some of our top players and underrated players at every single position. Man, I can't wait to jump in and talk about this. I don't get to talk Debbie enough, so I'm excited for a Debbie-centric episode here. And I'm going to be doing it with Chris Stoops, who you can follow at Stoops1990 on Twitter. And we've got Chris Stoops with us. Stoops, what is going on, man? How are you doing living in this new America that everybody's calling home? Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, I'm I'm trying to you know make the best of it as I can. I've I've followed. I'm here in San Antonio, so I followed the mayor's instructions of you know stay home, stay safe, all that stuff. I, I just go out for the few days I work a week. Um, and then obviously food, right? You got to get some food at some point. So go to the grocery store. But I've been playing a lot of Madden, to be completely honest. I've been watching Cheers on Netflix and playing a lot of Madden. So I've definitely turned the Dolphins franchise around. I was going to say that. Uh, made them, a, a, made them a, a competitor. I'm 11 and 1 right now. So I'm making that Super Bowl push here pretty quick. I was going to say, you're making our mutual friend Jeremy Barker very proud. I saw I saw the, the, the tweet that you posted the other day about that. So that's a... I was uh, I was doing the same thing. I'm actually in a. I'm. You play uh, Xbox or PlayStation? Xbox. 
man, I might have to add you on here. So I do a uh, an online league with like three other dudes, and we just play like multiple seasons. Like we're in our fourth season right now, and we always try. And you've got some people who do a really good job of like pumping out real draft classes in the future. So we always try to uh, download those draft classes and try and play it as real as possible. Uh, I'm playing with the Browns, and I've won two of the three championships so far. My other buddy won the, with the Panthers. We're always trying to look to to bring people in. It's a lot of fun. I might have to see if you're interested in doing that because it's a, a lot of fun doing stuff like that and playing other people online. Uh, we were just talking a little bit off air here because I mentioned here in the beginning uh, the intro that we're going to be talking about uh, Devi players and the college football game in general. It's kind of what you excel at. You do a really good job in this community about talking about uh, college players and the college game in general and the Devi delight with Ricky. What are your thoughts, and what do you think this could do to the – I don't think it will hurt the college game necessarily, but what it could do to even, for instance, some of the players we're going to talk about today if we don't have a college football season in 2020 because those rumors have really started to come up here the past couple of weeks that we may be looking at a, a year without college football. Yeah, it's it's going to be different for sure. I mean, you know, we're so used to the time coming, right? We're ready for that week one, um, or as some people, you know, week zero doesn't really matter um, of college football. But if we have no college football, it's 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 going to create some uh, extra work, you know, especially for Debbie specific podcast, you know, kind of what, what are we going to do at that aspect? But even just the prospects themselves, like if they still have these um, rules, I, I don't want to call them laws per se, because it's not quite to that level, but, you know, social distancing and this, that and the other they can't even technically go and train, right? Like with a quarterback or with other receivers, you know, with other players, it's going to make it a little bit harder for them as far as that aspect goes. And I'd almost have to think kind of like what they did, the NCAA did with, I think with the, like the basketball and and all these other athletes right now, they kind of gave them that extra year of eligibility. I'd almost think they'd have to go that same route with, you know, the football players and volleyball players and other aspects like that. So it's going to definitely add another wrinkle to the already difficult task of getting ready for a college football season and preparing themselves for the NFL at the next level and stuff. So it's, man, it, it's going to be very interesting. Like you've even said, we were talking before we, we clicked record. Um, it, it's it's crazy to live in a time like this, right? When, when yeah. something's going on and these are the kind of things we're talking about as opposed you know, man, this team's going to win the national championship or this player's going to break out. It's, it's, well, are they going to play? You know, it's just crazy to live in a time like that. Yeah. I mean, and it's, oh man, like I was thinking about it and just the fact that how that could really change the NFL draft for next year too. Cause you got all these players. I mean, you got guys like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields. Uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, some of the other guys, uh, Max Borgie, Travis Etienne, Justin Ross, like all those guys coming out, they're going to be fine. We all know they're going to be first-round picks whenever they come out, and they're good to go. But it could really affect uh, a lot of the bottom-tier guys, which I also think is going to affect those guys this year too, just due to the fact that you're looking at a lot of these guys who go in the later rounds and get to do these pro days and get recognized like they would in the past. Some guys who go to smaller schools that are at the Alabama pro days to help out quarterbacks or whatever else is going on, that they're not getting the looks that we – or they're used to getting by NFL teams because of everything going on. So yeah, it's it's insane to think that how how much this one thing that nobody was really talking about, or it didn't even seem I shouldn't say like a big deal, but it didn't seem like it was going to become what it has become, you could say almost a month ago. And then now here we are, everybody just doing their best to literally like it, it's funny you leave like I I work in a delivery service I've talked about and a lot of times you leave and a customer will look at you and say, Hey, 
you know, stay safe, stay healthy, have a great day. And I never in my life would have thought someone would be saying mm-hmm. that to me and it'd be like a realistically a big deal that they're saying that because you do want to stay safe and stay healthy. So yeah, it's a, it is an insane time. And I, I could not imagine though, I can't, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I, I don't know what I do if we don't have college football on Saturdays this year. I, I, I mean, it would it would just be a huge blow, especially being a huge Buckeyes fan as I am with us coming so close like we did last year and then to probably lose out. Because I would still think – you've got to think, right? Like someone like Justin Fields, who, yeah, you may get that eligibility back for another year. There's no way he's coming back to college next year if they don't have a season. He's going. He's going to go into the NFL draft because he's still going to be a top five pick at worst, I would think. Yeah, no, you're right. I, I think you know him and him and a Lawrence. Uh, they they've done what they need to do. I think right. Yeah. They they've shown what they they're capable of doing. Um, they they're a lock. They would go. I agree with you. There's no reason for them to come back because again, you risk that injury, uh, potential injury, and, and then at that point, you know what happens. You know from there. So no, I would completely agree with you. They they would, especially Fields and, and Lawrence. They they'd go. They'd be gone no matter what. Yeah, I mean, let's let's hope it doesn't come to that point because I know neither one of us wants that. As as big college fans as we are, mm-hmm. I, I know I would I know we both enjoy the college game more than the NFL game, and obviously the NFL, if it came back, which it does seem like they're really leaning toward being able to find a way to make it work. So it would be at least good to have football on Sundays, but we both want to see those. Uh, those games on Saturday. So I mentioned in the intro here that we're going to just talk about our top uh, top players in the Pac-12, ACC, and SEC, and then some underrated players as well. It's kind of a just preview for a show that we're hoping we're going to be able to do. I, we were just talking about this off air. My hope is for those of you who listened to the episode I had with Ricky a couple weeks ago, to bring both you guys on again you guys are do a great job on the Debbie Delight and, and talk like a full college preview uh, but we me and Ricky focus more on draft prospect guys me and you are going to focus fully on college football which is awesome I love doing that I, I never rarely do I get to do a Debbie centric episode here and it's my own podcast which is weird that I have to say this is very rare for me uh, but I, I love it and I'm excited to do it so I'm going to kick it off I always let the guests go first we have a couple players. I know you and – if I remember correctly, because I, I do listen to the Debbie Delight, you and Ricky don't ever look at each other's list beforehand, right? Like you don't know who you guys are going to talk about? No, we don't. Well, so okay, nine times out of ten, no. Okay. Um, we're doing some player profile stuff right now. We do have a sheet set to the side, and we've talked about that, right? Like, so, hey, I'm going to talk about this guy, talk about that guy. But when we do – this type of a thing or if we do rankings or anything like that no we we keep it a secret it's it kind of adds to the the i don't know level of you know the curiosity behind it and and where we're going to put players so no most of the time we do not share the names it's just it just kind of started that way, and we've kind of just stuck with it. Nice. So I've seen your names. Uh, I, I obviously sent out a show sheet to you on how I was going to kind of attack this episode, and you you put in who you're going to talk about. So there's a couple guys uh, that we have shared, so I may add a guy here and there just so we talk about a couple different players. But for the most part, we actually have a lot of different players, which I think is good. It gives uh, the listeners a little bit more. But there's one running back, and I want to see if you can guess who it is that uh, – or just guess the conference because I don't want to give the name away. But there's one running back you have on your list that I was really surprised you had on there. Uh, not because you wouldn't know who they were, but I just don't see a lot of people talking about it. I've loved this kid. So any guess what conference it is that you, we may have the same running back lined up on here? So there's two of them that I think it could be. And my guess is going to be – man, it's, I'm going to go – I think it's in the SEC – 
No. So it's uh, no. I actually do. I'm not gonna lie. I I barely know anything about the the underrated running back you have on there. I'm actually excited to hear about this guy because I have no idea. I I know who he is, but I don't know much about him. Okay. Okay. Uh, then I don't know. I'm gonna be honest with you. I okay. My, my other guess would have been ACC, but no, it's a Pac-12 guy. It's a oh, Pac-12. Man. It's your it's your underrated Pac-12 right, running back. Then I know who it is now. Now, yeah. All right. So well, then that's I know who, who it is. <laughs> we are gonna start with the Pac-12. Uh, we're gonna go down the list: quarterback, running back, wide receiver. We'll we'll flip, uh, go back and forth here. So we're gonna start with the top players. Who is your top quarterback here in the Pac-12? Yeah, it's the top uh, quarterback that I've got in the Pac-12 is is Keaton Slavis out of um out of uh, USC, man. He does still obviously have a little bit of competition there with JT Daniels, but I, I just think with what he did last season, the job's his. Um, I mean, he had you know over 3,500 passing yards, 30 passing touchdowns. Um, he had 137 first downs. Like he just he really went out. He did what he needed to do, and, and um, when players get that opportunity, right and they take advantage of it and they really, really just kind of take it to the next level. That speaks volumes for what their potential could be, you know, years down the road, obviously. So I just think with what he did last season um, and, and what his potential is, and he's getting some serious players back. One of the guys I'll talk about um, here in a little bit, but they're getting, he's getting some serious um, uh, prospects back on that offense. And I've said this before on other episodes and even on Twitter, if USC isn't good this year, there's something wrong you know further away from just the players right because the talent's there man they've got more talent than than a lot of programs do especially in the Pac-12 but I think Keaton's the guy this year I think he's going to definitely um keep that starting role and I don't think JT Daniels is going to really be you know challenging him for that spot in my honest opinion yeah that that's um that was kind of going to be an interesting battle for me, I think, going into this year. But I, I I, think I agree with you. I do think with what Slovis did last year, he's probably going to end up being the one who who ends up winning that battle and is going to be the guy for them. Uh, I went a little bit chalk here uh, in mind. He's a guy, if you guys uh, follow me on Twitter, I put up an article for the Dynasty Nerds. I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago now about my top Debbie quarterbacks. And I'm going to stick with Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State. I, I liked what I saw out of him. I know you guys actually talked about him recently on mm-hmm. on the Devi Delight. Uh, obviously had some good games, did have some some kind of bad games, but he was very young. Uh, going in this year's sophomore, I think he's just going to be incre- – I shouldn't say incredibly good, but I do think he's going to improve with Herm Edwards and everything. I really like this kid, uh, his mobility, his accuracy, his uh, arm talent, the way he throws on the run. Uh, I just think he's going to be really good this year, 17-2, to two, so a nine-touchdown-interception uh, uh, ratio. I like it. I'm a little worried about him losing Brandon Ayuk uh, this year, but uh, I think he's going to bounce back and be just fine next year. Going to be really good. He So he's my top quarterback here. Uh, there was another guy that I wanted to go, but I ended up putting him as my underrated quarterback, so I'm excited to get to him in a minute. Who is your uh, top running back? Yeah, my top running back is uh, Max Borgia out of Washington State. I talk about it all the time on the Debbie Delight. I absolutely love running backs who are who excel in the pass catching um aspect of of the game i mean when you have the abilities that he has out of the backfield whether it be running the ball or catching the ball absolutely love that just watching him on film and he's pretty physical runner while while he does have the ball in his hands and i think this season 
I don't think he's going to see the 96 targets that he saw last season. I don't think he sees that. I do think he still sees, you know, anywhere between that 60 to 70 range. He's still going to get the ball. He excels in it. They got to get him the ball in that aspect, right? So I do think he's going to get a a little bit more um, rushing attempts this season, which I think is going to help show his abilities to the, uh, the NFL scouts. Um, so I definitely want to see that aspect come out of it from there. But just whenever, I mean, he had 89.6 catch percent last season. That's that's absolutely phenomenal. So he saw a lot of targets, but he caught quite a few of them. I mean, let's just call it 90%, right? 597 receiving yards, five touchdowns um, through the air, while 11 rushing touchdowns. So you got to love seeing that out of a guy. And I, I think he's going to continue to be the focal point of that offense this year. I mean, he's definitely a guy. If you're in, you know, Debbie drafts, I'm actually in a, we haven't got to the Debbie aspect now, but we're in the middle of a, a startup draft for a Debbie league I joined. So he's a guy that I'm absolutely going to definitely be targeting. Um, He's a guy to just continue to watch, and I think he's like I said, he's gonna he's gonna show what he can do on the ground. He, he's got the abilities. He just you know with when you had a Mike Leach style offense, I mean they throw the ball 700 times a game. So um, getting the 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 rock you know to run the ball a uh, little bit few and far between. But I think this year it's it's definitely gonna be a different scheme uh, with new head coach in there. So it's definitely gonna be interesting to see what he can do on the ground. Yeah, that's uh, one of the things I'm actually really excited about for him. How close? Um, I'd imagine you have. ETN and Hubbard above him in your rankings right now? I do, yes, I do. So how much if you say say everybody seems to think that they're going to be a little bit more run heavy with him with Leach leaving, if he shows that he can be just as good uh running the ball as he is as he showed last year receiving, how close does he move up to those two or do you still think he's a step down from those guys? Mm, I think I think Harris, I would still have above him, but I think he could jump Hubbard. Um, I do love uh, Hubbard, you know, as far as his running ability. I mean, we saw it this year. He he was unbelievable. But I think if if Max can go in and really, really show and, and you know, prove that he is able to run the ball um, quite a bit more and excel at it, I, I think he would probably jump Hubbard. I don't think I could move him above Harris or, or ETN at that point. You know, ETN, I think, is a whole different, different ball game, right? right I, I right. think he's... He's in his own little level up there, but um, those guys right there, I think Borgie could definitely make his way up to the top top um, tier of guys, right? I think he could start jumping over some people. All right. For me, uh, I'm sticking in the state of Oregon for both of my guys. So so my uh, top guy is uh, C.J. Verdell. He was a guy I thought might come out this past year in the draft, decided to stay, redshirt junior. Uh, I know some people aren't as high on him, but I do think that he can kind of do it all. 109 first downs last year. Uh, 86% catch percentage. Uh, I think, uh, was it 39 catches on 47 targets is what it's shown here. So he, he can run the ball. I do think he's a little bit better pass catcher than he is a runner. I want to see more out of him this year. I'm interested to see. I'm really interested in him this year with Herbert gone, how they're going to style this offense and how good he is going to do with Oregon, with Herbert being gone. I do think they kind of leaned more on Herbert at times. Uh, with without good, I, well, I love Justin Herbert. If you don't know that, so I'm I'm huge on him. Uh, I think he was a really big reason on why they were as successful as they were at times. But I, I think he's got a really good low center of gravity, really good athleticism, great balance, speed, acceleration. I think he's got it all, and I'm really excited to see if they lean on him more this year with Herbert gone, and if he can kind of carry this Oregon offense. So that is my top running back here for the Pac-12. Who is your top wide receiver? 
Yeah, my top wide receiver, um, it's Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, one of the best things, I, I saw a, a YouTube clip on him um, months ago. It was basically all the St. Brown brothers together, right? And my the, the favorite, or my favorite part of that whole video was when the interviewer was asking him, you know, well, which one of you is the best? He was the first, no hesitation, first one says, I am. And then, of course, they all, you know, the other two start laughing, whatever. And he kind of has that straight face like, no, like it's me. So I just love that confidence, right? It's a, a player who can portray that type of, of confidence, whether it be on the field or even in an interview. I think that just speaks volumes for the, for their, you know, mindset. Um, but when you look at his stats last season, I mean, he saw 103 targets. Um, 74.8 catch percent there. That's that's pretty phenomenal. 1,042 yards with re uh, six receiving touchdowns. So he's definitely able to get the job done through the air. Um, and obviously, you know, building that chemistry with with his quarterback um, in some fashion. I know right now it's you know a little bit different as we've talked about countless amounts of times. But um, he even runs the ball right. It's not going to be much. He's not. He's obviously a receiver. But I mean, he had seven rushing attempts last year, 60 rushing yards and a touchdown. So they get him the ball any way they possibly can. So to me, when you go to the next level, you're going to have those gadget style players, but at the same time, it doesn't always transition in that level. So that's why I like to see what they can do from the receiving aspect of it. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown is just phenomenal. He's definitely going to be someone to keep an eye on. And the big thing about him, I love big play threats, right? I love guys who, who can stretch the field and either make plays after the catch or just, you know, beat their defenders and make those long catches and get some touchdowns. He had five touchdowns that went 21 plus yards or more. And he had 14 total receptions that went um, for, for 21 plus yards. So he's able to do everything. He's got 27 receptions that went four to seven yards. So he can get you those short yardage gains. He can get you those big yard, you know, gains. He's, he's kind of a do it all guy, right? You just get him the ball. He's going to make it happen. So he's definitely my top receiver in the conference. Yeah, so he was mine as well. Uh, I forgot that you had him on there. Uh, so I'm going to pivot and talk about a, a guy that I, I really like that's on the same team as him, and that's Drake London. Uh, I really like London, and I see that you've got him on the, as your underrated. So I'm interested mm -hmm. to see what you have to say about him when we get to that part of it. I went uh, a different way, but I agree with everything you said on on Brown. I think he's going to be a stud. I, I mean – do you do you think he's going to for sure be the one now with Pittman gone, or do you think why can I not think of his name now at the moment? Um, Vons. Yeah, or do you think Vons is going to be the guy with uh, with Pittman gone? Um, I think so. I think St. Brown is going to be the top target guy, but I don't think when they line him up right, I don't think he's going to be technically the number one. I think okay. Vons is going to be the number one guy per se when you lay it all out. You know, as far as um the the positional tree goes whatever but i think on Amon ross st brown is going to be the guy i think he's going to be the top target getter but not necessarily you know how they always list him out you know he's the one receiver he's the right. two so on and so forth i think vons is going to be the number one guy but um i think st brown is 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 the guy that all the def you know the defenses are going to focus on they're going to double him quite a bit more he's just got that athleticism but so does vons you know so yeah <laughs> that's what i'm telling you this this usc offense man like They've got so much talent. There's really no excuse that they 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 don't make a. I'm not saying a push for a championship. I'm not saying that far. There's some other pieces they've got to get, but right. they've got to do much better than what they did last season. Yeah, I know you're all in on uh, USC, and I believe Florida as well, right? You're the you're the one in on Florida. Yeah. It's not Ricky. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Uh, so yeah. uh, I'm interested. And I'm not even. A, I, I, I'm an A and M fan. We all know that. Oh, I know. So it's just like and there. There's a whole other. Anyway, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> I, I tell people all the time. I could talk hours about my. 
frustrations and love for A&M. But anyway, yeah, no, Florida, I think, is, is a team that's uh, one to keep an eye on for sure. And USC, obviously. Uh, so uh, just one thing I wanted to add on St. Brown, uh, just a ridiculous 20.51% dominator rating as well last year, which is just ridiculous. But Drake London, uh, just a couple things on him. I actually uh, I don't know if he's going to have a huge year this year because of Vaughns and Brown, uh, but I do think he's a guy you need to seriously watch. I think he takes a huge step forward this year. He had a, a bunch of really big plays last year being kind of the third and fourth option for the Trojans. I think he will easily be the third option this year and, and may be able to take a big step forward next year year uh but i do think he is just a really good player uh dual sport athlete fluidity he's got great length uh his sophomore had a 13.63 percent dominator rating last year uh 21 percent of his plays were over that 21 yards you were talking about with brown earlier only one of them resulted in a touchdown though but did do a ton of work in the 8 to 13 yard range as well 31 percent with uh, 12 catches so he's just he's a really good wide receiver uh you know I, like i said brown, i'm right there with agreeing with you on brown so just want to throw a little bit of love to Towards somebody else uh, in this conference, uh, our favorite position to talk about. We both have the same person, so I'm just going to let you take it here on the tight end. I feel like our tight end discussions are probably going to be pretty bad for all of these, uh, except for when we get to the SEC. But who is your uh, who is your top uh, tight end here in the Pac-12? Yeah, my top tight end is um, what Brent Keithy. Um, I had to figure out how to say his last name. I hate mispronouncing names, so I watched some films and luckily they they threw his name out. But Brent <laughs> Keithy, Utah uh, tight end. Um, dudes, it, it's, it's, it's hard to explain, but like, he's just, okay. I, I heard in a video, right? George Kittle, um, junior, he's quick, he's agile. He can play all over the field. He's kind of a little gadget tight end, which is kind of a weird thing to say. Right. But watching him play, it's just phenomenal. He was a running back in high school, which I thought was pretty interesting, but they also lined him or he played running back. I shouldn't say he was a running back, but they played him at running back. They played him at receiver. They played him at tight end. I mean, they played him everywhere. Right. And when you're at high school, obviously when you're an athlete, like you're the guy, they're going to just get to the ball in the hands and let you go. That's just what they do at high school. But, um, they moved him to the tight end, um, officially here at Utah. And he just had a phenomenal season from a tight end, um, tight end aspect. Cause you think about it, right. A lot of programs don't utilize the tight end, which is why we generally won't talk about tight ends um, on Devi episodes or just in general, unless you're kind of just standing out uh, yourself, standing out above everybody else. So um, 602 receiving yards last year, six touchdowns, 34 receptions on 42 targets. That's 81 percent. He's got an 82 percent catch uh, catch rate his whole entire career. So definitely love seeing that from a tight end. Sure handed. Um, he's able to block, you know, he's able to get the blocks and, and, and create separation for his running backs or his other receivers whenever he's not going out for a route. So I absolutely love seeing that. He accounts for 21 first downs this last season, which again, if you've listened to, uh, you know, the Debbie delight, we talk about first downs a lot, right? We talk about them all the time. So you definitely want to have a tight end that's able to get those short yardage plays. He's able to get those first downs. But a thing I find pretty, pretty awesome from him is his 21 plus yard um, reception count. He's got 13 receptions that went for 21 plus yards and four of those went for touchdowns. So when you talk about it, right, I, like I said, he's able to spread the field at the tight end position. He's, he's just athletic, right? You get him the ball and he's able to get it done. So um, the fact that I found out through another video was that he was uh, played running back in high school, just kind of showed his athleticism and what he's really able to do. So love, love him. Um, Brent Keith, out of Utah. Yeah, and I'm glad that you could pronounce his last name. One of the, uh, as you guys uh, just heard in the new open that is debuting on this podcast, much thanks to you guys as well um, from, um, my goodness, his name just jumped out of my head. 
what is it? Andy? Gabriel. Is it Gabe? Gabriel? Uh, Oh, uh, oh my God! Yeah, I know you're talking about Gabe. Yeah, because he did your name. guys open, your new open on the Debbie Delight, yep. and so I reached out to him. I was like, "Dude, I love what you guys did for them. Could you do one for me?" And he did, and I've got it. It's good. dropped on this episode. And as he makes fun of me in that song, is I am horrible at pronouncing names. I it's just it's ridiculously bad. You could tell me, you could have told me two seconds ago how to say that. I already forgot. You said it, it's 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 a uh, is Keithy? it Keithy Keithy. <laughs> yeah see i would i would have been like I, I swear if i would have been going first i'm like all right brant keith here is my guy so it, it's i'm really bad with that <laughs> uh, but i agree with everything you said i think uh for me the most things that stood out there as you mentioned was his blocking or uh, that fact that he was willing to go out there and block which is obviously a big key yep. to the the tight end game uh and something that's really gonna help him out but his route running in hands is what really stood out to me i think he's gonna be really good i agree with you though with debbie not even just Debbie, almost rookie players or rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. You're you're really not focusing on the tight end position as much. I mean, I keep going back to uh, the year George Kittle came out. His ADP was, I believe, a late third or early fourth round pick, and and look at what he is now. So sometimes it just takes longer. You don't always get those Evan Ingrams who, even though he's kind of fallen off here, I know he was like an ADP of a uh, second round uh, the year he came out a couple years ago. You don't always get that, so it's kind of hard to focus in on these guys because. It's just the game can change so much from the college level to the NFL level. But I agree with you. He, he's the guy who really kind of stood out for me uh, in this conference. So let's talk about our underrated guys. We've got uh, one guy on our list that is the same. So once we get to him, we will uh, just kind of converse, and that is uh, the running back. So who's your underrated quarterback for the Pac-12? So my underrated quarterback, um, it's it's Jake Bentley. Um, yes, he's been around for some years, right? He was over at South Carolina for a little while, and he he has his moments, you know, where where he does look a little bit sketchy. But I I just think watching his film as a whole, um, I think he's got the talent um, to definitely, you know, especially at Utah with as we just talked about a a pretty solid tight end. He's got some other guys there. Um, yes, you know, Zach Moss, love him or hate him, he's gone. Um, so he's got to fill that running back role there, but I just, overall, I think Jake, Jake Bentley definitely can get it done. Um, I would love to see him, um, clean up the, the turnover aspect, especially when you look at, you know, the 2017 season, for example, Uh, he had 12 interceptions, right? So he definitely turns the ball over and that's something you don't want to see. But, um, overall watching his film, he makes the throws. I think he's got some good arm strength to him. So I think he's able to make it happen, um, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back from the injury. That's that's the reason, you know, Mr. Uh, was it Helensky? Um, he took over that job there yeah. over at South Carolina. But um, Bentley coming back, you know, definitely rehabbing the injury and, and having a little bit more time to even potentially get a little bit more um, mentally strong, I guess you could say. Because sometimes whenever, as much as we don't want to admit it, we read media, right? I mean, we do, obviously, because we, we put a lot of it out there per right, se. But, right. you know, these players, they read the media. They listen to the listen to the news. They, they hear what people say about him. So um, he's definitely been someone that's been questioned, but I just think he's someone that can really get it done. I mean, you look at the 2018 season, um, I had over 3,100 passing yards, 27 touchdowns. Um, he did throw, again, 14 interceptions. So he definitely does turn the ball over, but he can do it in the running game. He's obviously not a run first quarterback. Um, but in that same season, he had 64 rushing attempts, 78 yards, two touchdowns. When you go to the 2017 season, 73 rush attempts, 85 um, rushing yards, six touchdowns. Now, again, sounds like a lot of rushing attempts, the way the college game, you know, tracks all that stuff. It's not necessarily a true run per se. Um, they, they definitely I still I'll be completely honest with you how they determine what a run is. I'm not sure. But um, <laughs> obviously, once they cross the line of scrimmage to me, that's a run. But at the right. same time, that's not how they always 
you know, log it. So he's able to get it done on the ground. And I think that's definitely something that can help separate himself from, from some other guys. But the, as, as mentioned, there are some things he's got to clean up, right? Definitely some interceptions having the 14 and 12 in those two seasons, um, respectively. He's got to clean it up, but I think he is someone to definitely keep an eye on throughout this season, especially going into a fresh start. I, I think that's going to be big for him. I like that. I like that call. That is a that's, a, that's an interesting one. It's one the guy that I was thinking about. Uh, mine is a, a guy that I had uh, in my article. I'm I'm big on him, and this guy could end up really kind of making me look bad, but also look really smart. And that's and and guys, I apologize now if I butcher the last name. Grant Gannell out of Arizona. Uh, 6'5", 222 pounds. He's a sophomore. Uh, did not play much last year. He he was sitting behind Khalil Tate for the most part. Did get games here and there. I believe he started uh, in the USC game. I don't remember if it was because Tate got hurt or what happened. I've, I've only seen a little bit of his stuff here and there. But his arm strength, the way that he can sling it is just ridiculous. He's extremely accurate. I love his pocket mobility. The one thing I don't like from what I saw of him on tape was uh, he seems to stare down his receivers a lot, which obviously that, but he was a freshman last year. That's something that I would imagine is going to be improved upon. If you're taking him in any kind of Debbie draft, you're going to have to wait multiple years. And if it's a single QB draft, I would not at all consider taking him. I'd let him go and maybe take him in a couple years if he proves himself. Uh, but from what I saw in the in the times that he was out on the field with some of the lasers he was throwing downfield, uh, I really like this guy. I think he's got a ton of of upside uh, in that 2022 class, which is going to likely be stacked with guys like Slovis uh, and Daniels and everything. Ganell's the guy I think is, is going to be a little bit of a sneaky upside guy in that 2022 uh, QB draft. So that's the guy that I'm really all in on. I, I really liked what I saw out of him and the limited amount we saw him here in that past in the 2019 season. All right. This running back, man, I'm excited about this kid. He, he's the guy that I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast. Uh, loved him his freshman year. He had a huge freshman year. Looked, in my opinion, like one of the best running backs in college that freshman year. Last year, sat behind, not sat behind, but split the split time with Artavius Pierce a lot there for Oregon State. Uh, did not have a great year, but I think he's going to have a huge bounce back year and is a guy that I think is a huge buy low in Debbie Leagues and a guy that you might even possibly still be able to draft in your Debbie draft because he may not be owned by people, especially with the year he had last year. Stoops, who is your underrated running back? Yeah, my underrated running back is uh, Jamar Jefferson out of Oregon State. Like you said, that freshman season that he had was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, over 1,300 rushing yards, 12 rushing touchdowns, 61 first downs. Again, that's a big, big number, in my opinion, from a running back, 61 first downs. Um, got it done in the receiving game as well, 25 receptions on 32 targets, 78% um, catch rate there. 147 receiving yards, no receiving touchdowns, but again, you know, it is what it is in the end. You'd love to see some receiving touchdowns, but the fact that he was able to get that done and show his ability there, I think was phenomenal. Um, but like you said, when you jump to the 2019 season, definitely dropped off a little bit. Um, and if I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, did he, he didn't, did he have some injuries this year that might've kept him out of a game or so? Maybe I'm wrong, but um, uh, I, I, I feel don't like know he missed some he, time with an injury. I don't remember if he missed any games, but I do know that he was struggling with stuff. I think that's why Pierce started to take over more and yeah. more as we move through the year. Yeah. So you still look at the stats. I mean, 685 rushing yards, eight rushing touch, touchdowns, right? That's. Okay, so that's not the the thirteen hundred plus yards that he had his freshman season, but to me, that's that's it is a drop off. It's a pretty drastic drop off from where he was, but I still think that's a solid number, especially like you said, sharing the backfield um, with someone else. Dr numbers are just going to drop, but um, he's still got a seventy five percent catch rate there. He only had nine receptions, but eighty three yards. So he's definitely getting the ball. Um, he's making some plays. He's able to do it, man. I 
he's a he's a, he's a hard nosed runner. Um, I really love that he seems like he's that type of running back that's just not afraid of contact. You always see those running backs that want to play more east to west, and I think he's more of a north south um, the north south runner that can go east to west, right? He's got the moves, but I think he's just more of a hard-nosed, just physical-type runner. He's going to get the job done. He's going to get you those yards, whether you uh, you need some big plays, which isn't really his forte per se, but when you look at the zero to three yards, for example, he had 62 rushing attempts there and four to seven yards. He had 46 uh, rushing attempts. So he's definitely there to get those first downs, and he's definitely there to get those short yardage gains. So I definitely love what I've seen out of him. I mean, uh, we've got him at 5'10", 214 on Expand the Box scores, so he's got some weight behind him. Um, and who knows? He might even put on a couple more pounds. And it's crazy to think, right, there's some guys out there that, that have put on more weight and they've gotten faster, which is a weird yeah. thing to think. Because usually when you think more weight, you're going to get slower. But it's just the way these guys train and, and with the certain people that they have. And I think he's one that can do that. Put on a little bit more weight to just get that extra physicality. But he could still gain some speed um, if he's trained properly, you know, via his guys out there. But I, like you said, expect him to have a bounce back season. I think he's going to definitely prove that that freshman season wasn't a fluke. I, I think he's deal. Um, and again, like you said, I feel like he was talked about his freshman season. Um, obviously, when you look at the yeah. numbers, it's like, well, yeah, he's going to be the guy. But then it just kind of like people just dropped off because he didn't have those same numbers. But he's the, still the same guy, right? He, it's not like he, you know, changed his, you know, DNA. Like it's that that, that player's still there. So I think he's going to have that bounce back season, and I think he's going to prove that that wasn't a fluke season for him. Yeah, I mean, I'll even go back to, like, I, I know people, like I said, I, I've been posting stuff about him even last year throughout the year when he was having a bad year, and in this offseason been saying, hey, don't forget about this guy with what he did his freshman season. Uh, you know, a guy that uh, I've talked about on this podcast, I know you know, and Ray Garvin, he he's kind of become like the king of Devi with everything that he does and, and the, uh, the content that he puts out. I'm in a Devi league with him where – Jamar Jefferson is actually still available to draft. I've I've picked wow. up some extra Devi picks for the draft that we'll obviously have here in a, in a couple weeks, and and he's one of the guys I'm planning on trying to go get. He actually I had tried to trade up. Uh, we st- we did a startup last year. And I tried to actually trade back into the fourth round to take him as my last pick because I don't remember. I think I took Kylan Hill, I believe, was my last pick. I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly who, is, who I love as well. Uh, and it was like uh, Kylan Hill or Jamar Jefferson. And I didn't think anybody was going to take Jefferson because it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of people on him, which is crazy to me again after, as you we both talked about here, the the freshman year that he had, I think he needs to be talked about more often. And I do think, obviously, I really i am with you 100% that – after this year, I think he's going to be talked about. He's not going to be the ETN or probably even uh, Borgie or Hubbard or Harris, but I think he's, in my opinion, like right below those guys. Like he's in that tier two, and I think I, I think he really has a chance to be the top of that tier two right behind those guys this year. I really like Jefferson, and I'm, I'm all in on him. Who is uh, who is your underrated wide? Well, I know who your underrated wide receiver is. We just mm-hmm. talked. I talked about him earlier in Drake London. But what do you have on Drake London? What are your thoughts on him? Yeah. So my thing is like, he, he's still good. So he was actually, like you had said, he was kind of that fourth option, right? But with Pittman gone, Drake London, um, essentially by default, but I think talent wise, he would have been there anyway. He's still going to be that number three guy, uh, behind Vaughn's and behind St. Brown. But just the fact that he came out his freshman season and did what he did, um, cause you, you see a lot of these freshman receivers, um, really freshman players at all freshman guys. It doesn't matter the position, but especially at receiver, they're going to get the opportunities and they don't really do much with it. 
he's one that definitely came on and showed that he's a re- he's the real deal. You know, he's able to get it done. I mean, he had 39 receptions on 45 targets. That's 87% catch rate, 567 re- uh, receiving yards, excuse me, and five receiving touchdowns for 19 first downs. And the one thing I really, really do like about him is you, you kind of have these players that are either a big play threat or, you know, they're going to get you those short to mid yardage gains. Um, he kind of does it all right. You know, he, he, he's, he's a big play threat. He's got the speed. Um, he's definitely got the, definitely got the size. I mean, six, five, um, only two Oh five listed on expand the box score. So definitely want to see, obviously get a little bit more weight to him, but, um, he makes it work for him. But when you look at the touches by yards, I mean, eight he had eight receptions that that went for 21 yards or more only one of them did turn into a touchdown but i mean on having only um 39 receptions and eight of them to go 21 plus yards is pretty phenomenal he had eight that went 14 to 20 yards and then 12 of them went eight to 13 yards so he he's making it happen on any aspect whether it's short mid long it doesn't really make a difference he's definitely getting the job done and i think his target share is going to go up drastically um i don't have Pittman's numbers pulled up but i'd have to think he was anywhere between the 90 to 110 target range maybe more um maybe a little bit less but it's definitely Pittman was a a, a top guy in that offense right so him gone I think Drake London's going to take a lot of those um you know targets that that are going to be vacant now so he's definitely someone that that I honestly haven't heard I'd almost go as far as anybody you know yes there's going to be the one or two but I don't get to see everyone that talks about him but um he's definitely not been talked about enough I think um I watched some Again, I go to YouTube, just kind of watch you through some highlights or if I'm lucky enough, find those game films. Um, definitely, definitely love seeing some game film on on guys because you see more than just the highlights. But um, he was getting it done. He was blowing past some people and you see it in there. You know, I don't know what they call them, but like their spring games. I know every college kind of calls them something special, but yeah. um, he's definitely getting out there and he's he's making it happen. Um, again, these are last year's last year's games and everything. But um Drake London's a guy to definitely keep an eye on, and um, he was the one I have underrated, but needs to be talked about for sure. Yeah, I actually posted a, a tweet on him not too long ago about uh, not to sleep on this kid because uh, I can't remember what um, what game it was. It was a game he caught three touchdowns, and he made like a beautiful over-the-shoulder catch like over a defender, and that's what the kind of I clipped that and, and posted it with the tweet just to kind of remind everybody like, hey, this kid, uh, he may have gotten overshadowed a little bit by Vaughns and Pittman with what they did last year, but this kid's going to be a stud. Speaking of Pittman, that's where I'm going to go. Uh, Micah Pittman out of Oregon. I'm huge – it's funny, as big a fan as I am of the Buckeyes, I'm I'm secretly like a huge Oregon Ducks fan for some reason. I don't know why, but I've just I've been a fan for a long time. Uh, so I pay a lot it's gotta of attention. Gotta be the jerseys. It probably is. I mean, I was a. Uh, I feel like <laughs> people people tend to make fun of me when I when I say stuff like this, but because uh, I am a diehard, but like my days are ruined. Like when that Clemson game happened, I, I was already sick with the flu, but I, I wanted to die. Like that would do. I, I really, I still don't even remember what actually happened. But uh, uh, I was at the uh, the game. Obviously, that was the year that uh, Jerry World had just opened up down here, and they had the national championship game for the Buckeyes and the Ducks. It was uh, Cardell Jones versus Marcus Mariota. I ended up taking my dad and my little brother with us so we could go watch the national championship games. We're all huge Buckeye fans, and I remember even saying, as walking in, I was like, you know what? I'm going to have a good time regardless because even if the Buckeyes don't win, like I'd love to see Marcus Mariota and the Oregon Ducks kind of win that championship because they they had been close and that was back in the Chip Kelly days with all that stuff. So I, I 
I've always liked the Ducks, and I'm a huge Herbert fan, as I mentioned earlier, so I pay very close attention to those games because I, I think Herbert's extremely underrated. Uh, Micah Pittman didn't get a lot of run last year, but I think he's, he was dealing with the shoulder injury, I believe is what it was. He's a younger brother of Michael Pittman Jr., who we've been talking about, who had 101 catches. I meant to say that before I started talking about this, as you brought up with the, okay. with the, how many uh, targets are now going to be free without him with him leaving. Uh, but Micah Pittman for the Ducks, solid uh, acceleration. He's got a really good release. He does a good job of keeping DBs off him with his hands, and he can win with deep speed. I think he's going to be the one this year for Oregon. Again, we don't know what Oregon's going to be without Herbert there, so that's kind of why I'm excited to watch and see what happens with him and Verdell uh, there. But I think Pittman is a guy who I, I keep kind of focusing on this 2022 class, it seems. Uh, I think could be a very sneaky guy in that 2022 class that I don't think a lot of people are talking about uh, here in uh, in the Pac-12, especially with all the guys that uh, USC has. It looks like they can field, you know, at times four to five wide receivers out there. So uh, Micah Pittman is my underrated guy. Do you have an underrated tight end? So, no, not necessarily. I'll, I'll just, I went through and I was like, all right, so I'm trying to look at some other tight ends, you know, that, that may be underrated. And I'll be honest, I didn't. So I kind of went to the draft, or not draft, I'm sorry, the the high school prospects. And Washington's getting Mark Redman. He was a four-star prospect, number seven tight end in the class. And he's 6'6", 239. His senior season, though, 72 receptions, 979 yards, and 13 touchdowns. So he's not so much underrated because we haven't seen him on the college level. But he's just someone, you know, if you have a super deep Debbie league, for example, it's kind of one of those, especially if it's tight end premium league. He's kind of a guy, hey, let's, you know, I'm late rounds or I'm an auction draft and I've got a dollar. Let's pick him up kind of thing. That's that's more of where a Mark Redman would be right now. But so, yes, but no kind of aspect. It was just kind of a super deep dive into a guy to keep an eye on potentially. Gotcha. Well, I, I like that you went Redman because I, I had on mine was uh, was Kate Otten. Uh, just because I thought maybe he'll be able to do something with Bryant moving on. He's a, he's a redshirt junior, so... Again, I don't. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I don't watch a lot of tight ends play. That's not really my yeah. thing. So I just kind of was going for a guy that I thought might be able to step up into a role with the guy leaving. Uh, the, he seems to be rated pretty highly by some people. So that's kind of the guy that I went to. There's a couple people on Dynasty Nerds who are, for whatever reason, think he's going to be good. I'm gonna trust their opinions over mine because they've actually watched him and I haven't. So let's talk about the ACC where. Obviously, the the best quarterback is is pretty easy. And and who do you have there as uh, as your top quarterback in the ACC? I've got Trevor Lawrence. It's it's. Uh... It's Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what else is there to say? We've seen it for, for two years now. I mean, you know, coming on freshman season, doing what he did, continuing it uh, sophomore season. And the one thing I really did like to see going into that sophomore season, he really improved in the running game, right? He, he, he definitely stepped it up and showed that he's able to do it. And the biggest thing I love, and we talk about this all the time on the WD Light, he gets down, he slides, he does not try and, you know, gain the extra one or two yards. Like, And I'm not trying to say quarterbacks are soft, but when they take those big hits, that's when they find that injury. Right. So I like how he was able to get down, but, um, I mean, I, I, you know, it's Trevor Lawrence. What more do you, everyone knows Trevor Lawrence. Everyone knows he's going to be the guy. Um, people have even said coming out of high school, like just go straight to the pros. You don't even need to come to college. He was that type of a quarterback. So love what he's done. Um, definitely excited to see, you know, what he's um, able to build on this season. I mean, that Clemson team top to bottom, it's, they just keep, it, it, it's like I've said about Alabama, right? They don't rebuild. They just reload. Yeah. They've got those guys just ready to go. So, you know, T. Higgins is gone. Oh, don't worry about it. We've got the next guy up. We've got this guy. We've, it just It's just how that, that defense works, or that, that team and offense and defense, but how Clemson works. They just reload. They don't rebuild. 
Yeah, same as Ohio State. I don't know why you had to go Alabama. Oh, or yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, SEC bias. Yeah, we uh, we have the same. Actually, funny enough, we have the same uh, top player and same underrated. Though I imagine a lot of people like the underrated quarterback, dude. I, I have him in my tier one of quarterbacks uh, in the article that I put out for the Dynasty Nerds. So Trevor Lawrence with me too. I guess quick question: Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence? Or do you, is it even close for you? All right. So it's funny. Um, Ricky and I have actually had that debate and both of us have been Trevor Lawrence, just no questions. Like it's Trevor Lawrence, but mm-hmm. the more that we dive into it, it's fields close, and Lawrence right. are closer than what people think. I know that's uh, what I've been saying. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, so I think, I think, and this is bold and maybe this is, you know, this is kind of off the top of that. I, I think fields is a, and this is kind of a cheap, comparison is is a better cam newton mm-hmm. i think because i think fields is a much better passer than yeah. what cam newton has been cam newton gets it done right he's able to do it i think fields is a much better passer while having that elite running ability from the quarterback so that's why to me it's not as far apart between lawrence and fields is what a lot of people say yeah, for me, when I look at it, because I mean, you know, when I come out and say something like that, everybody just assumes I'm I'm being my, my Ohio State bias because I don't hide how much I love my Buckeyes. But for me, I think the one thing that separates them, and I know you can make the argument that uh, Lawrence is very good at rushing. Matter of fact, if you look at his stats, his, his rushing stats are right there with Justin Fields. But there's just something about when Fields is running to me that he's a little bit more dangerous. And I kind of feel the reason I put him ahead of Trevor Lawrence for me is I have no doubt Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be the better NFL prospect all around because I do think he is a better passer than Justin Fields. I don't think that's necessarily close. But I think Fields, when it comes to fantasy, is going to end up being possibly the better fantasy quarterback, which is why I continue to rank him ahead of Trevor Lawrence because I think he just brings a little bit more versatility. And since we've seen the NFL game move more toward the college game, I think that's going to favor Fields when he goes to the next level. I mean, you look at what they've been able to do with guys like Lamar Jackson and possibly what they could do with Jalen Hurts. Now, both those guys are definitely more dynamic at running the ball than than Justin Fields is, but I don't think he's too far of a step down from those guys that if he goes into a right system and they build around him like Baltimore did with Lamar Jackson, I think Fields could be extremely dangerous. So I'm with you, though. I was just glad that you said that because a lot of people, when you bring that up, they're like, nah, dude, it's not even close. It's Trevor Lawrence and then everybody else where – I think you can make an argument if you want that Justin Fields deserves to be right there or ahead of him. If you don't, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with taking Trevor Lawrence. The kid's going to be really good for a really mm-hmm. long time. All right, who is uh, your running back? Well, let's just let's just talk about let's just talk about Clemson because I feel like that's yep, who, yep. that's all who we have here. I mean, he's I, I went a different way at running back just because I wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit. But I agree with you. Etn is he's amazing. He's going to be the the one at the running back position this year. But what do you got on Etn? Give us a little bit more on him. So the first thing that I'm going to say that breaks my heart, and so you with Ohio State is me with A and M, right? What breaks my heart is ETN was going to A&M. He was supposed oh, to be going. And I then the whole Sumlin, it just a bunch of things, you know, and then he went to Clemson. So first, let's get that out of the way. Broken heart, but he's a stud, right? And and backtrack, he may not have, what he's doing at Clemson, he may not have done at A&M. Who knows? You know what I mean? So it, we don't know. We could always, you know, you know, make it up and say he would have. But no, right. he's an absolute monster. And the biggest thing that I loved, absolutely loved, Everyone's talking about, man, he can't catch the ball. He doesn't like catching the ball. He's afraid to catch the ball, whatever it may be. 
I think he proved to everybody this past season that it's not an issue. Because I know that's why a lot of people would knock him, right? I mean, he freshman or 2018 season, he had um, 1,400 you know plus rushing yards, 21 rushing touchdowns. This last season, 1,600 rushing yards, 19 um, rushing touchdowns, 71 first downs. But then you go to the receiving aspect. 36 receptions this past season for 427 yards on four and four touchdowns. But you go back to 2018, only had 10 receptions on 14 targets, still 71.4 catch rate there for only 65 yards though and a touchdown. So the fact that he got involved in the offense way more, you know, in the passing game, I think is just huge. And as I said about Max, right, a running back that can catch the ball automatically jumps up a couple levels to me. It's just like you said, for quarterbacks, for example, the way that the NFL is changing, certain players are going to have a higher, you know, fantasy value. Same thing with running backs. The NFL is kind of going that route where they like having those pass catching backs, especially when they can still run the ball, right? That's whenever you kind of become that every down back and you're going to get the ball no matter which way they want to do it, whether it's just running it, throwing it, makes no difference. You're on the field. And I think Travis Etienne's that guy. When you look at it, 11 of his 15 games, um, he caught 100% of his targets that were thrown his way. And six of those 11, um, he had three or more targets. So again, he's not getting those, you know, eight, nine targets out of the backfield. It's still going to be a lower number, but that's just every single game that he's getting two, three, four, five plus targets, you know, in certain aspects. So he's definitely getting targeted um, pretty much every single week. And and I think that's going to continue this season. I don't see that changing, especially with that Clemson offense, just being as high powered, uh, you know, as it is. Yeah. So I do want to ask you one question on him. Um, does it worry you at all at how, and again, I, I, Again, as a Buckeyes fan, I know how good that defense was. Does it worry you at all that it seemed like against the better defenses, he does tend to struggle a little bit running the ball? I know a lot of people, if you were to just think about that game, you would think, well, hey, no, he had those two big plays that really kind of put the nail in the coffin uh, for the most part against the Buckeyes. But those were actually passes. They were dump-offs by Trevor Lawrence that he ended up taking them. Neither one of those were runs. The Buckeyes actually did a really good job of shutting him down. I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, so did LSU. Alabama the year before that in the national championship, or not the national championship game, I think they played in the semifinals, whatever it was. It it does seem like Mm -hmm. at times he struggles against those better tier defenses. So does that worry you at all, especially with him being the the guy that everybody's kind of talking about as the for sure one of this uh, 2020 class? It's, it is a concern. I mean, it's gotta be right. You know, cause whenever I look at, um, more so lower tiered guys, right? So obviously ETN is a, a tier one guy in my opinion, but uh, whenever I look at lower tiered guys, I look at the big competition, right? Who are the top teams they played and what did they do? So that's always definitely going to be a concern, but I think given his full landscape of what he's able to do, I think he's going to be able to figure that out. Now, obviously Clemson is, you know, a top tiered program. They've got, you know, best of the best, co- best of the best coaches, uh, training facilities, everything. So but it's not NFL either. So I think once he gets to that next level, and and I think there's certain nuances to the game that he may not have learned yet because, again, college, you're not going to have everything. But if he gets to an NFL program, uh, you know, I don't, this is just a name. Like if he meets up with a Zeke or if he meets up with, you know, someone of that level, right? I'm not saying he's going to go to Dallas, but right. if he met, if he was with a running back like that, who can teach him, Hey, all right, this defense, you got to look for this. You're able to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's going to help him. So it is a concern though, right? You want to be able to see someone go up against an Ohio state and Alabama, um, uh, whoever, it doesn't matter. You name a top program and Excel. They don't need to go for 200 yards, but you still want to see him get, I don't know, 
85 rushing yards and a touchdown and some catches thrown in there. You know, something like that I think would be okay. But um, definitely whenever you start struggling against top competition, it's a concern. It's got to be. It's definitely yeah. something. But I, I think he's good enough to overcome that. Um, let's see here. It's funny that you actually said that, uh, that Madden league that me and you were talking, I don't remember if we were on air off air now at this point, but when I was talking about that Madden league, the guy who was playing as the Cowboys actually drafted Travis Etienne to pair with Zeke. So that's actually kind of just funny in my head that you put those two together. Um, for me, I went to, since you went Etienne and obviously he is the top guy here. I just went with a, a guy that I think could take a big step forward next year. And that's Kenneth Walker out of Wake Forest. Uh, was sat, or not sat, but, uh, mostly was behind. Cade Carney, and then obviously Jamie Newman, who I'm going to talk about later if we get to the SEC, where we're kind of running a lot longer than I thought we were with just talking about some of these other players. Uh, I think he's got a chance to do something good for Wake Forest. He's got really good patience, elusiveness, vision, uh, really good speed on all levels, and is a much better uh, receiver than I think he gets credit for. So he's a guy I think could take a big step forward and be one of the better running backs in the ACC next year now that he's not. I would I think he's going to be the guy. He's not going to be behind Cade Carney anymore because he is gone. I think he's going to be the guy over uh, – I think that he's probably going to compete with Christian Beal, who is a sophomore. So I do think they're both uh, – so Kenneth was a freshman last year. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head now. And I was hoping my phone was going to work, and it's not. So, But I, I like Kenneth Walker. I've got him on here as a, a guy that I am looking forward to here for the ACC. And then continuing our trend of Clemson players, go ahead and give us your top-rated wide receiver. Yeah, it's Justin Ross. Um, I mean, his freshman season, we saw what he did. You know, he he had a solid freshman season, but once those playoffs, once that playoff came around, that's when people really said, "Man, who who's Justin Ross?" Right? You know, and then from there, it was just Justin Ross is the guy. And you look at it when you watch a Clemson game. In my opinion, yes, T. Higgins to me was the number one guy on that team. I think he was the the best receiver there. I, I still think he's a little bit better than a Ross, but. Given the current landscape, Justin Ross is obviously the best guy in that conference and on that Clemson team, but it seemed as if Trevor Lawrence loved throwing it to Ross. It was like Ross was his safety blanket, you know, and T. Higgins had his his, you know, targets as well. But yeah. Justin Ross is just a phenomenal uh, prospect. I mean, he's just he's able to do it all. And the fact now that he is going to be the clear cut number one. I mean, he had 106 targets last season with T Higgins there. So I wouldn't be shocked if Justin Ross is seeing upwards of 115, 120 plus targets, potentially more. Right. So I, I think he's going to have a huge year and I think that's, it's just, it's just the time to have it. Right. And, and I say it on, on, um, on the Debbie delight where timing's everything. I think he's already solidified himself as a top tiered wide receiver, but if he comes out and has a f- absolutely phenomenal year and blows it just out of the water, Timing's everything, right? It's going to push you into potentially that first round, you know, NFL draft um, discussions. Um, definitely a, a round two type thing. So, just going to love to see what he does this year with Trevor Lawrence. The chemistry's there. Um, it's been there for two years already. So we're going to see a third year of it. And I just, uh, it's kind of like with with Lawrence. Like, what more can you really say? Right. Um, the talent's there. We've seen it. He's he's proven he can do it um, against top competition. Against everyone, it doesn't really make a difference. He's getting it done. All right, so my top guy is actually uh, your underrated guy, and that uh, I went with Sage Surratt. I, I thought he was going to come out this year. Uh, I know a lot of people, including myself, had him up in my top ten wide receivers, which I think speaks volumes of how good he was this past year with as deep as this class was. 
Just did great things for Wake Forest last year. I mean, just looking at it here, 68% catch percentage went over just a little over 1,000 yards, but 24% of his plays went over 21 yards, which was 16 of them. Shows that he has the big playability. I do think he suffers a little bit from long speed, uh, but he's got the size, catch radius, body control. Some of the ways that he contorts his body in the air to make catches is just ridiculous. Great play strength. Dude is legit. I think he... I'm going to be interested to see what he does this year. Obviously, he loses... um, Goodness gracious, this is Jamie Newman, right? He lost Newman at quarterback who goes to Georgia. I'm interested to see what happens with him now, having a new quarterback in there, see what how how all that works out. And if he continues to have as good a year as he did last year or improves, how far he moves himself up. Because I don't see a lot of people talking about him. Now, obviously, you are on him because you have him as your most underrated, which probably speaks more highly of how you think he's he can raise up the board. How, how high, say he has just a little bit better year than the year he had this past year, how high up do you think he could move up the charts for you? Uh, and we'll just kind of jump right in and talk about him, and we'll we'll bounce back to tight ends. Yeah, so for me, if he comes out and has, you know, because, I mean, he already had a great season this past yeah. year. Then he had the, you know, the injury that kind of caused, a, you know, missing some, I think it was the end of the season, if I remember correctly, kind of missed the rest of that year. But yeah. still had over 1,000 yards. He's in my top 10 right now for the the the, the draft class, and um, or the upcoming draft class after this one, obviously. And um he could move into the top five easily for me because I don't remember exactly where I have him. Um, I don't have that pulled up, but I mean, he's he could easily move into the top five. And that speaks volumes because when you talk about the other wide receiver prospects that are in that class, 2021 is going to be, I mean, just it it's it's going to be pretty, pretty phenomenal. Um, but I think Sage can jump up easily, you know, no question, no hesitation. I think he could easily move into my top five, um, potentially even higher given on how how high I am on him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like you said, he's my underrated guy for the receiver position. And I just don't think enough people are talking about him. Um, and he, it seemed as if he quietly did what he did last year on 98 targets, 11 receiving touchdowns, just quietly did it. Right. And, yeah. and no one's really talking about him. And I think he's a guy that you gotta, you gotta talk about him. And like you said, it's going to be interesting though. You know, he's losing, losing Jamie Newman. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but if he continues that pace that he was on or even improves on it, I mean, he, th- there's no reason he, he can't jump up my board. All right, who is your tight end? And I'm just going to – well, this is my tight end too. I didn't even have an underrated one, which I see you have. But go ahead and talk about Brevin Jordan here for your top tight end in the ACC. Yeah, uh, my top tight end is uh, Brevin Jordan, like you said. Um, he's just athletic, right? And that's that's what I love to see out of tight ends. And that's what it seems like a lot of um, colleges uh, are going towards, is kind of getting an athletic, larger person – to uh, be their tight end is what it seems like. So as someone who's able to block, someone who's able to catch the ball and you know have a yards after catch, I think that's a, a big thing for the college aspect of, uh, of um, their, their play calling, right? So he had 35 receptions last year, 495 yards, only had two receiving touchdowns. But again, from a tight end position, you're not expecting a whole, whole lot um, out of the receiving game. Um, but it's always a bonus when you have that. But again, Miami wasn't the greatest uh, of programs. They <laughs> one couldn't really figure out who their quarterback was going to be, and then they, you know, would go with the guy this week, and he did awesome, and then he didn't the next week, and it was just honestly, it was kind of a nightmare start to finish for the Miami program. But he was one of those bright spots. Um, he had 23 first downs last year, so I just think from an athleticism standpoint and from what he's able to do, um, I would love to see more touchdowns. But we got to get a quarterback in there to build that chemistry. So that's a huge aspect. But um, Brevin Jordan's definitely a guy that, that is the top tight end, and again, it, you know, 
what what tight ends are out there at this point. But um, I love Brevin Jordan. I, I think he's phenomenal. Do you think uh, with them getting Derek King over there that that will help Brevin at all? Um, I'll be honest. I, I've I haven't been a big King fan. Okay. I'll be honest. I I don't. Um, I think it. Let me let me let me take a, to answer your question. Yes, I do think it will because King brings that that dual threat ability. So I think people defenses are going to have to focus on King a little bit more, which then will open up Jordan for that. Even if it's a two three yard dump off pass, it doesn't make a difference. It's kind of like those halfback screens, right? They're going to use Brevin Jordan not necessarily in the halfback aspect, but it's just those short yardage, and he's able to get those yards after catch. So I think yes, to ultimately answer your question, I think it will. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how defenses scheme around that because he does have that dual threat ability. So ultimately the answer is yes, but I'm still a little hesitant on on how that all offense is going to look. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on King. He's, he's a guy that I thought might be good, and then I just I – re- I really don't know what to think about him. I think he, he's got the skill set, but he really hasn't put it together yet either, which kind of – Kind of worries mm-hmm. me about him. So let's talk about our underrated. We're probably, unfortunately, going to have to cut it after this because we we've gone a little over an hour, and I was, uh, which is not a bad thing. I've I've loved the discussion that we had. I thought maybe we'd be able to get through more, but maybe we can uh, add the SEC on to. I know we've already talked about possibly doing another episode, so I'm excited to, you know, nothing wrong with talking Debbie on multiple episodes here. So. Let's talk about uh, – I know we both have the same guy, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Sam Howell of North Carolina, who's in just an absolute stud. I know not a lot of people yep. are probably watching North Carolina games, but if you did, this kid I think is uh, the future, and I think probably the guy that, at least for me, is going to be sitting at the top of that 2022 class, at least he is for me right now, that could change. Again, as I mentioned, there's um, I'm big on Grant Gannell. You mentioned Keaton Slovis earlier. You've got uh, Jaden Daniels, who I mentioned earlier as well, all coming out in that 2022 class. Could actually be a, a, a fairly loaded quarterback class. But Sam Howell's the guy for me. What is it that you like about Sam Howell, and why do you have him as your underrated quarterback? Yeah, I have him as my underrated simply because no one's talked. I mean, yes, okay, when you get, you know, deeper into the the Debbie aspect, there are some, you know, people talking about him. But overall, again, who, no one really watches North Carolina, um, but I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be a team that does get, you know, those, those uh, I don't want to call them necessarily primetime games. But they're gonna they're gonna be on TV more. So I think people are gonna finally be able to see what Sam Howell can do. Just seeing a true freshman come out and do what he did, and I think Mac Brown. Um, Mac Brown to me, it's kind of funny. I think he's an underrated coach now. Obviously, when he was at Texas, he was the the top of the top, right? He was the right. best guy. But he yeah. kind of he retired. And a lot of people when he went to North Carolina, they're kind of like, well, why would you know? North North Carolina. The fact that he's able to do what he's done um, with that program in the short time that he's been there, I think is definitely speaking volumes for his true ability. So he's not so much an underrated coach, but you get my aspect on that. Um, no, just his his confidence. I mean, you look at him on the field. Um, it was that Clemson game, if I remember correctly. North Carolina should have won that game. Oh, um, I, I know. that I think Mac Brown kind of blew it at the end. I, I think. I think Sam Howell's confidence maybe got in the way a little bit. Um, uh, he 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 almost ran it in for that. I think it was a two point conversion, but yeah. he should have just kicked the extra point. I think it would have given him the tie, going to overtime. You've got the momentum. I, I think Mac Brown got a little cocky there, but it is Clemson, right? You know, you give Clemson more opportunities. There's no telling what's going to happen. But man, watching his confidence, watching those throws that he can make as a true freshman, he is my my QB one in that 2022 class. He's actually my QB three overall for Devi, um, behind Lawrence and Fields. 
I love Sam Howell that much. Sam, I, I technically, I think I have him four behind Jaden Daniels because I, I like a little bit more of uh, Daniels' rushing ability. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's right there with me. That, you could argue he should be over Daniels because of how good he throws the ball compared to Daniels really does kind of struggle in that area at times. But yeah, I'm with you. I, another reason why I really hope the, the college football season does not get canceled at all. Uh, mm-hmm. To just see what this guy can do in his second year again. Him coming in, as you mentioned, a true freshman and doing what he did taking what is considered one of the better defenses. I mean, look at what they did against a team like Ohio State. Now, yeah, they struggled against LSU, but everybody struggled against LSU. Everyone did. Yeah, I mean, yep. and you you know, again, Buckeyes biased the side. The Buckeyes had a really good offense, and what that defense was able to do to them, and then Hal came in there, and he didn't light the world on fire, but he still was finding ways to beat them, and they should have, I agree with you, won that game. He proved he can play with the best. I'm, I am excited to see what he does moving forward, and I agree with you. I think the the Mac Brown aspect is what's really going to help him out because he is a really good coach. And I think having him there to help kind of help you progress as well, is going to be huge for how I, I cannot wait to see him uh, continue to progress. And I'm, I'm glad that we both have him as our one for the 2022 class. Cause I think he's going to be an absolute stud. Who is your underrated running back? Yeah, my underrated running back, um, Deshaun Corbin, um, he's now at Florida State. He was an A&M running back last year. He um, went out with a hamstring injury. He missed, um, missed the rest of the season. I think he played the first two or three games and then got hurt. But man, he's able to do it in all aspects. He's a physical runner. He's fast. He does. He he um, he ran. He returns some punts, some kick returns. So he's able to do it all around the field. I think Florida State um, losing Cam Akers. I think Florida State is not going to miss a beat in the running back aspect. I think Corbin. Um, is not talked about enough. Um, yes, when you go out with an injury and you miss a whole season, of course, no one's going to really talk about you in depth. But um, being the AM fan that I am, seeing him play uh, multiple years, I think he's – He's going to show a lot of people this year kind of what his his true um, abilities are. Um, hopefully, again, barring any any setbacks as far as injury, as long as he can stay healthy, I think he's going to be a guy that a lot of people are going to talk about. Um, again, flying under the radar. You know, that's just kind of what what a lot of these guys are doing. He's going to be someone you can probably snatch up, you know, in your mid to late rounds, um, rookie drafts, Debbie drafts, however you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, but Corbin out of Florida State, I think is definitely going to be a guy to keep an eye on. He he does it in the pass catching game, physical runner. I think he's just he, he's pretty phenomenal around the field. Uh, I went with the guy who's going to be replacing Etn, I believe, after he leaves this year, and that's a uh, Demarcus Bowman. Uh, he's the number two running back in the nation. He committed to Clemson this year. Uh, they seem to be really excited about him talking about how he is a generational talent. His speed is just ridiculous. I'm excited to see if he gets any run this year. I would imagine they, they may just end up trying to run ETN in the ground, but I would not be surprised if we get to see a little bit of Bowman. And with as good as we've seen this Clemson offense be since Dabo Sweeney has taken over with what they did with uh, Deshaun Watson, Kelly Bryant, now Trevor Lawrence, I'm excited to see what Bowman can do. I will say, uh, if I wouldn't necessarily draft him in Debbie drafts. I, I don't advocate drafting freshman running backs uh, in your Debbie drafts because you, you're having to wait likely at least three years, and there's other guys you can take ahead of them. Uh, but he's a guy with, with the ACC that I don't think is entirely loaded with a bunch of talent. He's a guy that I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with him. I do think he's going to get some run at some point in time this year, and I'm interested to see what he does. Who is your underrated wide receiver? Yeah, it was Sage Surratt. Um, as we said earlier, oh, I yeah. think he's just a guy that's going to 
gonna 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 boost up his his um you know draft stock in my opinion definitely move up my draft board if uh he has another repeat of what he's done you know last season barring no no setbacks as far as injuries go i think he's he's definitely a guy to keep an eye on for sure yeah mine was uh okay you're 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 probably you'll probably know his name so if i say it wrong please correct me is it dami brown from north carolina um, that sounds right. I'll okay. be honest. I, I, I'm with you on the name pronoun- pronunciation. Okay, got there, you. So. Uh, he obviously benefited last year. He's a junior uh, this year. Benefited last year as a sophomore from, as you just talked about earlier, with Sam Howe, kind of his aggressiveness and willingness to throw the ball down the field. I think those two are going to grow even more together this year. Uh, he's very physical, big-bodied guy, uh, 6'1", 195. Now, really strong on the break, uh, can break tackles, really good body control and athleticism. Does struggle with uh, with drops a little bit, which which worries me. Obviously, that's the biggest thing for a wide receiver. But if he can improve on that, I think he's a guy some of us will be talking about uh, going into probably like a tier two wide receiver just because of, of his ability and then obviously what Sam Howell can do for him as well. So he's an, an underrated guy in this conference. I don't think – I've not seen anybody talk about it all. So that's kind of why I wanted to go. It was more also a attached to how good we think Sam Howell is as well. Uh, tight end, do you have somebody you want to mention for the tight ends before we get out of here? Yeah, so the the, the guy, again, I went the same route of kind of just going into the uh, the 2020 high school prospects and seeing kind of what we're looking at there. Notre Dame got a five-star prospect, Michael Mayer. Um, I forgot where he's out of, but he's the number two tight end in the class. He's, that, like I said, five-star prospect, and he's a 31st-ranked player overall. When you look at Notre Dame's um, – tight end history they've sent some pretty solid guys to the uh, the nfl and i went and looked at a little bit deeper and of the last eight tight ends um that they've had go to the nfl five of them were drafted in the first or the second round and wow. of those five three of them were four-star prospects so none of the previous of the last eight none of them were five-star prospects again now coaching schemes play calling players on the team always change, right? So just the fact that he's a five-star prospect does not mean he's going to be the best tight end to ever come through Notre Dame. That's not what I'm saying necessarily. But just the fact that Notre Dame as a whole has seemed to put some pretty solid tight ends into the NFL, I think he's a guy to definitely keep an eye on. Again, we're talking, you know, three years down the road potentially uh, before he even makes it to the NFL. And with the tight ends, even once they get to the NFL, they usually take about another, let's call it two to three years to really start to – you know, mold themselves unless, like you said, Evan Ingram, right? You're going to have the guy that comes in pretty much immediately and then does his thing, but now not so much. So tight ends is just one of those positions. But Michael Mayer, um, he'll be a true freshman going into Notre Dame, five-star prospect. He's just someone to keep an eye on throughout the years for sure. Yeah, I like it. So I hate that we couldn't get to the SEC. We were we're going almost an hour and twenty minutes here. Um, I hate that we couldn't get to him because I actually had some A and M guys, and I was kind of surprised you didn't. I was oh, really yeah. excited to get to I, talk to you about them. I assume it's because you didn't want to be too homerism. I tried not. To. Yeah, that, that's what I figured. So that's why I threw him on there because I'm big on Spiller. And is it is it Dem? I I, I don't I just yeah. There we go. Um, oh, I love him. Yeah, so I, I put them on my list because I, I like them as well, and I was like, I want to get your opinions on them, but I'm sure we can find a way to do this again. We'll make sure to get the SEC in, maybe SEC in the best conference in all the land in the Big Ten. We'll, we'll talk about them because Ohio State's got some guys that I want to talk about because I am not a good analyst like you, and I will be very, very biased in all of my decisions for the Big Ten. But uh, I'm I'm excited. Uh, I'm glad that we got to do this. I'm excited that I, I will get a chance to jump on with you guys here soon. 
and talk Big Ten, and I'm looking forward to getting you back on here again so we can do some more of this. Uh, plug everything you want to all of our listeners, where they can find you on Twitter, talk more about the Debbie Delight, anything you want. Go ahead, let our listeners know where they can find you anywhere and everywhere. Yeah, so I'm definitely on Twitter, um, at Stoops1990. It's S-T-O-O-P-S, just like the coach, um, at Stoops1990 Stoops on Twitter. Um, yeah, I've got the Debbie Delight with uh, my buddy Ricky. Um, love it, man. I've been doing Debbie. You know, it's only been about two or three years since I've been in the whole Debbie aspect, but as soon as I found out about it, I came in as quick as I could because, again, I've watched college football my entire life. I absolutely love it. So um, I do some cut-ups, you know, video uh, cut-ups for Dynasty Nerds. I absolutely love doing that. It's kind of a, a slower time, you know, with 2020 class and yeah. kind of, a, you know, <laughs> trying to figure out what we're doing there. But I do some cut-ups. absolutely love doing that. Um, that's it, though. I mean, I, you know, I try and stay active on, tw- as, uh, stay as active on Twitter as I can. Um, I've definitely retweet, I comment, you know, I post some, some cutups, uh, you know, some little clips with some stats from expand the box score. They're the ones that, uh, help us out with, uh, Debbie delight. So, uh, definitely go there and you can get 10% off your subscription if you do uh, capital letters stoops on your subscription. So little plug there, but, um, no, man, I appreciate you having me on and we'll definitely get it going. You know, the SEC, the best conference, we definitely got to talk about them. So, um, you know, we'll definitely make it happen. 100%. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking your time out of your Friday to do this, and we will definitely get something set up and and continue running this series and keep praying that uh, everything we both since we both live in Texas, everything starts to blow over here soon, and for sure we get some college football. But seriously, as I mentioned earlier, stay safe, stay healthy, and I look forward to talking to you again, man. Have a good one. You too. Appreciate it. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?